0: Hello, and welcome to the ninth episode of the LI Law Podcast. I'm your host, Zahava Schechter. The premise of this podcast is to feature issues, developments, and topics affecting the law and how it relates to the 8 million of us who live or work on Long Island, New York, which includes Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, and Kings Counties. If you live or work on Long Island, this podcast on local and state legislative and judicial decisions is for you. Our guest on this ninth episode is Town of Hempstead Supervisor Laura Gillen. Please check out the show notes for Supervisor Supervisor Gillen's contact information. Please also keep in mind we will not be providing any legal advice to specific questions. Supervisor Gillen, welcome to the podcast.
1: I'm delighted to be here.
0: In preparation for recording the episode, I read that your family had connections to the town of Hempstead from two generations ago when your grandfather worked for the sanitation department. Could you please tell our listeners about your background and how you came to run for Town of Hempstead Supervisor?
1: Sure, yes. My uh, my grandfather was a sanitation worker in the town of Hempstead. He faced uh, the challenges that many workers we hear face here, that he received a lot of pressure to make donations, and that was the key to Rising Ahead, but he was supporting four children, a wife, his parents, and his sister, unmarried sister, and really didn't have the money to donate to political clubs and the like. So he was never really promoted the way he should have been with his many, many years of service. So that's part of the culture of corruption that I wanted to eliminate in town hall. We see this today. I mean, I'm running for re-election, and my opponent, uh, 40% of his contributions in his July 2019 filing come from employees. Employees are compelled to donate to political candidates in order to feel like they're secure in their jobs, and that's just wrong. And that's why I vowed before I was elected, and since I have been elected, to not take any contributions from my employees, because nobody should feel like their job is dependent on writing a check to a candidate.
0: And Supervisor Gillen, you are really a trailblazer as the first Democratic supervisor in the town in more than 100 years, in fact, since 1905, and only the second woman to win this position, the other woman being Kate Murray, who had a long you're here. I would first like to address the gender issue. We see more women throughout the country, running and winning elected offices at all levels. And these women, including you, serve as a role model for young girls and women today. Do you see your gender playing a role in your position as Top Town Administrator? And if so, how?
1: I really just think of myself as a person first. I don't really think of myself as just a woman versus a man. I Certainly my gender is part of it. I think a lot of time when I was out on the campaign trail, a lot of men that I would meet and shake hands, and they said, we, we should let you women run things. The men have screwed it up. So we're going to get more women in, into office. Um, so I think that there maybe is a perception out there that women can be relied upon to be less involved in scandals and corruption uh, and in things like that, whether it's an accurate perception or not, you know, t- time will tell. But I I, I do think that there's a certain level of trust that a woman is doing the right thing. I mean, certainly for me, I went to law school, I graduated, I was a lawyer, um, first at a a white shoe top Manhattan law firm called Cahill, Gordon and Rendell. I was there for about five years, received uh, excellent training as a litigator there. And then uh, I had two children while I was there. So then I left there because I wanted to spend more time with my children. And I joined a law firm uh, on Long Island called Westerman Ball, which is in Uniondale. And I continued to practice law. I continued my career as a, as a commercial litigator. And I was very happy doing just that in the private sector. But I started paying attention to local politics and just seeing you know, all these politicians brought up on charges. It seemed like the corruption was pervasive in Nassau County, and I thought the taxpayers were not being fairly represented by their elected officials, and it made me want to get involved. I saw the Coliseum, the, the Lighthouse Project, fall apart. It seemed like it was just over partisan politics, and I thought that was ridiculous. And this, you know, bickering back and forth between the parties about who's going to get credit for what uh, was not serving anyone well. So that's why I decided ultimately to run for office. I, I made a run initially uh, for county clerk, In 2013, I did not win that race, but I had a wonderful learning experience. Um, I really kind of thought of it as a trial run to see if I liked running for office, if I was any good at it, um, and if I would ever want to do it again. And I decided I would do it again, but it had to be the right race. And running for town supervisor, although very, very, very few people actually thought I would win, I thought it was a race that was worth running because I thought the town desperately needed a change. It desperately needed new leadership, and it desperately needed needed a voice from the other side.
0: So, so that's a great segue for us because one of your stated goals has been to increase bipartisan legislation for the general good. And to that point, you crossed your party's line and named Bruce Blakeman, a Republican, as your deputy supervisor. Yet Councilman Blakeman has distanced himself from some of your initiatives and the other Republican council members have also not been supportive of your initiatives. So the Democrats are down five to two. How can you get anything done without peeling at least two Republicans from their party Party line.
1: Yes. uh, So when I when I was running for office, I did have the support of uh, I was cross endorsed by Councilman Blakeman, um, and I was being supported uh, by Councilwoman King Sweeney. They at the time were in a dispute with the the current Republican supervisor at that time, uh, Anthony Santino. Santino. Yes. And so they supported me, and I was very optimistic um, that we could have really just a bipartisan government that would. Just work together to do the people's business. Again, I was really against partisan politics. Um, my husband is a Republican. I'm a Democrat, and we agree on most things. And really, when it comes to running a municipality, there's, there really isn't a Republican way of doing thing or a Democratic way of doing thing. There's a good way and there's a bad way because you know no, there's no Republican or Democratic way to pick up garbage, to improve parks, uh, and to save money for taxpayers. So I, I was very optimistic coming in to uh, office. However, my goal of having this great bipartisan partisan coalition government kind of fell apart pretty quickly when I started getting resistance, even I would say within the first month, to just common sense, good government initiatives like refinancing our debt. I found out that our bond advisors and our bond council, which had just been rehired by the town board by San- under Santino's ad- administration in December of 2017, they came to me when I first got into office and they said, you know, we um, had recommended to the prior administration that they refinance their debt. First, just because the interest rates were so low, but then also because there was going to be a change in the tax law with Trump's new tax law that would limit a a municipality's ability to refinance their debt. And we warned them, you have to do this and you have to do it now. You will save taxpayers millions and millions of dollars if you do this, and they did nothing And the result was that it probably cost the taxpayers around five million dollars just for their inertia and their failure to act.
0: But I I hear what you're saying. But let's get back to the question of how can you get anything done without at least two Republicans? Well, this actually is perfect to answer that question.
1: If I can continue, so I said, all right. Well, let's refinance the debt that we can. Let's enable the controller to refinance the debt that we can, and pass on some savings to taxpayers. Again, not Republican issue, not a Democratic issue, just a good government issue, and so. I put forward a legislation and I was told by the other side that they were going to block this legislation because I didn't discuss it with the controller and I made them look bad. And so they were going to kill this legislation. So how did it get passed? It did get passed because I was going to go to the press. And the press is really the way I can get legislation passed. Um, We did a lot of, we just passed the uh, community choice aggregation uh, legislation, enabling legislation which allows us as a municipality to go out into the marketplace and try to negotiate better rates for homeowners. We're seeing National Grid raise their rates. This would allow us to try to get better rates on the supply side for all of our homeowners. We did a lot of press about it. Before it came before the town board, Um, I got word that they were going to kill it because they don't want me to have any wins before the election. They want me to not have success. I cannot have any more feathers in my cap because they don't want me to get reelected. And uh, they were going to kill what is just a good thing for residents. So they're putting politics ahead of people. We did a lot of press about it. They tried to find poke holes in it at the town board meeting. And then ultimately, they realized that if they voted against this, they would look really, really bad. And so it got passed.
0: And I want to move our conversation to the issue of the concession at Malibu Beach Park in Long Beach mm-hmm. by Dover, G- uh, Gordon. It's in Lido K- Beach, actually. Oh, in Lido Beach, sorry by Dover Gourmet Corp, which has failed to pay rent per its contract with the town and allegedly received beneficial treatment also from the town. You've called for the resignation of the Parks Commissioner who negotiated the deal. Could you please explain to our listeners your position on this matter?
1: Litigation has been filed against the town. Uh, Dover has filed what's called a declaratory judgment action against the town. And we also, you probably are aware that we have been served with a subpoena and the FBI and U.S. Attorney's Office is investigating this matter. So. So I have to be a little bit circumspect about what I I say uh, on this podcast, but I think the facts are quite clear. We have a vendor who does not even deny that they haven't paid us over $533,000, that they're in arrears for that amount of money. Um, The vendor has also said to the press that he didn't pay it because he made an oral agreement that he could just use that to offset some capital improvements he made. That is belied by the contractual documents, Mm -hmm. plus to suggest there's an oral agreement that we would waive $2 million worth of fees owed to us is preposterous. It doesn't pass the lab test. You can't waive two million dollars of taxpayer money by an oral agreement that never went before the town board. So it's a sham. I don't believe a word of it. And I'm certainly going to advocate for the taxpayers of this town and try to get the, the sums that were owed from this vendor.
0: I want to talk to you about the town board three times blocking special elections after a council member had to resign with the party, the Republican Party, simply inserting its own candidate. I'm a resident in the 2nd District, and that seat was previously held by Ed Ambrosino, a Republican and an attorney, who resigned as a result of criminal activity. Instead of holding a special election, the Republican Party installed Thomas Muscarella, brother of Vincent Muscarella, who's a Nassau County legislator, and Joseph Muscarella, town of Oyster Bay Councilman. This looks to me like an appearance of impropriety, and it may look to other residents as well, like yet another instance of nepotism and patronage. Short of having sufficient votes to overrule the Republican majority on the town board, what can you do to bring more democracy and fairness to the town board?
1: So I think an important uh, point to raise for listeners is that there are only two people on the town board who were initially elected not selected for their seats, and that is me and Dorothy Goosby, the two Democrats. We actually had to win in order to get our seats. Everybody else was the benefit of this insiders club, where they are picked by party bosses, the Republican Party boss, and they get inserted into a seat, so they have the benefit of running as an incumbent, and the benefit of all the taxpayer-funded mail that historically has gone out from the town of Hempstead. The budget for mail when I walked in the door, which of course was a budget set in anticipation of somebody else being the supervisor, was two point nine million dollars of taxpayer money just to send out mail saying, Hey, turn down your leaf blower at this hour. You know, just a lot of nonsense mail that the taxpayers were paying for. And it's really just to build up the name ID of the appointed candidate, so they have better name recognition and can get elected to that seat. So in response to that, what I thought was gaming the system, I put forward legislation to have a public hearing to see if the public was interested in having an initiative appear through a referendum on the ballot. And let the people decide if we should move to special elections instead of appointments. Because right now we have a very undemocratic, small d, system where you said you live in uh, that district. So right now you're being represented that was chosen by people outside of your district. Not anyone inside your district. The only person who on the town council who is elected by your district is me and I did not choose Mr. Muscarella. He's a very nice person yes, he but is. I did not choose him to have that seat and I thought it should be an open and fair competition through a special election. So I put it up on the agenda and the town board tabled it. They didn't even want to let the public be heard on this this issue. And they tried to use the excuse saying like oh it will cost too much money. Well Look, there are costs associated with a special election. It probably costs, on average, about $100,000 per councilmatic districts. But I think it's up to the voters in all of the districts to decide is having a voice and choosing your elected representative worth a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, this is a municipality with a budget that's about a half of almost a half a billion dollars. A hundred thousand dollars is a very small price to pay, I think, to choose your own elected official. But it's not me, my proposed legislation was not even me telling people that we had to have it. It was having a public hearing and then voting on whether or not we should put it on to a referendum and let the people decide. Open, transparent, democratic process to decide whether or not we have special elections. They tabled it And then I said I was going to put it back on. And I said that to the press. And then, you know what the town council did? They made up a special rule just for me that never existed before in the town of Hempstead. And that rule is, if the majority tables something indefinitely, then it can never, ever come back on the agenda again unless they give me permission. So that's what they've done so they could put special elections away because none of them wanted to talk about it Because every single one of them including Don Clavin the tax collector who interestingly I believe was appointed by his running mate So she rewarded him with the tax collector appointment and now he's rewarding her by letting her run for town clerk
0: Okay, so we'll, since we're speaking of family and patronage Uh, positions. I'd like to ask you about Councilman Anthony D'Esposito, who voted to give his mother a town employee a raise and whose father, brother, and sister-in-law all work for the town. What is being done on your watch to strengthen ethical rules to prevent further nepotism and the giving of patronage positions to family members in the town?
1: Right. So it's it's almost inconceivable that Anthony D'Esposito could say with a straight face that he didn't think there was anything wrong with voting to give his mother a raise. That is I think symbolic of the culture of corruption that has existed here in the town of Hempstead for quite some time, and you know, more recently, Anthony DiSposito was found by a court of law to have violated the code of ethics, along with Anthony Santino, because they voted in favor of the amendment to the union contract, which benefited their family members. So, what I have done, and what I've been trying to do in the town to address this culture of patronage and nepotism, is a couple of things. First of all, we passed. Ethics reform legislation that is much more comprehensive than the ethics legislation that had existed in the past. It specifically speaks to the issues of nepotism and cronyism in town hall. In addition to that, when it comes to seasonal and part-time employees, I was the first supervisor ever to host a job fair. So I think an important story is that the parks commissioner, Mr. Lino, when I first got elected came to me and, and gave me some forms and I said, what are those? And he said that they were summer seasonal employee hiring forms in case I wanted to have my kids and their friends get summer jobs with the town of Hempstead and I said no 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 I ran so other people's kids could get jobs with the town of Hempstead so we host the first ever job fair for seasonal and part-time workers so that anybody could have the opportunity to apply for a job in the town of Hempstead. I've also ta- tried to post jobs online, but I've been met with resistance by the different commissioners uh, that are still sitting in their seats here from prior administrations uh, and other government officials and my town council in trying to open up jobs in the town of Hempstead. I'll give you an example. Our town attorney's office said that they need more attorneys, so I posted the job. And we have received resumes from people just out there in the universe who want the opportunity to work at the town of Hempstead. at the last town board meeting we get a personnel resolution hiring a town attorney to go work in our department of general services there are a host of problems with this first of all the department of general services has never had its own attorney before this is a brand new position they're taking funds from the town attorney's office to fund this position but the town attorney needs attorneys in his own office so they're depleting funds in the town attorney's office for a position that doesn't exist the position is not in the Department of General Services budget and this is someone who's from the inside it was picked by the inside and not one of the people who applied to our job posting, so they're still trying to game the system and not allow for outsiders to really get employed in the town of Hempstead. Even with our new commissioner, you may recall I called on the Department of Occupational Resources commissioner to resign because of what is the most blatant, uh, shameless act of self-dealing I've ever seen by the prior commissioner, uh, Ana Maria Hurtado, who negotiated a position for herself while she was sitting as commissioner to uh, with a company that was going to employ her as part of the deal after she resigned. So the commissioner did, he said he retired. I look at it as he resigned after I called on him to resign. And so I had reached out to the town council, I, I tried to field some resumes of people who might be able to replace that commissioner. I tried to do it in an open, bipartisan way. I circulated the resume of a gentleman who actually had experience in the Department of Labor. And I said, you know, if you have any other thoughts, let me know. Well, they didn't let me know until I was sitting at the dais and they told me they were appointing someone to be the commissioner. I'd never even met the person. I'd never even seen their resume. So they're still trying to use backroom deals to give out jobs and give out appointments. I'm trying to end that, but I'm going to need some help in my next term.
0: Finally, let's talk about your efforts to hire an outside consultant to audit the town's building department, which efforts have been unsuccessful to date. Please tell our listeners why you are requesting an outside auditor
1: and why your initiative is being blocked by the town board. So this is something that was really important to me coming into office. I'd heard many, many complaints. Uh, about the building department, about the time it takes to get through there, both on the residential side and on the commercial side. And I've heard from a lot of people in the development world that it's frustrating. They're just not doing business in the town of Hempstead because it's too hard to get the approvals you need. There's just so much red tape and so much delay. So that's bad for our local economy. So I wanted to address that and fix that. I'd also heard allegations about preferential treatment. And I just really wanted to have someone outside the building department and expert come in take a look at our operations look at what we're doing and tell us give us a roadmap on how we can do things better and set up protocols like these are the rules that apply when you're in this particular situation this permitting situation and this is a way you could it could come down to things as like move this cashier's booth closer to this you know interdepartment area so it'll streamline people traffic just moving through the building it could be something as simple as that or it could be something more comprehensive like this is the extensive protocol for how you move through the permitting process and how if you have an expediter they're treated versus an individual things like that again done by experts outside of our building department so, so why is the board fighting you on this you'd have to ask them but it seems like every single time i push this initiative forward they always come up with an excuse to delay it i've been doing pushing this since early 2018 and it was like well we need the commissioner to sit on the bipartisan review panel well we don't know if we actually like this company well what about the cost Well, oh, no, the bid expired, so now we have to do it again. We've had to go out to RFP like three different times to get somebody in there. Um, We had a company that was a bipartisan panel had agreed upon that's a renowned expert in the field, not some like partisan local little firm that they couldn't trust. Ernst & Young, I don't think, they're, I think their reputation is pretty much beyond reproach in terms of this. And they just found any excuse. So it begs the question, why don't they want someone out there? You know, they're saying, oh, it's going to cost too much money. Why don't we just have a suggestion box, is basically, in essence, what they said. Have a suggestion box and let the people who have caused all these problems and delays in the building department fix it. Well, if they knew how to fix it, they would have done it by now. It makes me think that we really need to look into some of these allegations of preferential treatment of, of turning a blind eye for some people while turning an attentive eye to other people because there's definitely something that they don't want us to see which makes me feel the need to have somebody come in there is even stronger.
0: Well that's it for our ninth episode. Thank you so much Supervisor Laura Gillen for Thank coming you. on the podcast today and to our listeners be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and while you're there please rate us with a review that could start. I just heard Supervisor Laura Gillen on the LA Law podcast and I found out there is a general election in November. I'm going to register to vote so I can vote in that election and make my voice heard. The LA Law Podcast cannot register you so you can vote, but we can inform you about everything on Long Island. We are your source for local tips which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening.